This is the church administration Q&A with Shelby Pratt. Uh, since this is a Q&A session for the audience, you'll have to please bear with me because I will probably repeat all of your questions for the listening audience. I, I tell, I, I, you know, I start off with my lame finance humor. Um, because I, I tell people that you know I'm a finance guy and I suffer from a lack of comedic timing. And see, you guys didn't. You guys, didn't, you guys did not laugh. That was the point. Um, you know, I I don't know how to deliver a joke properly. Um, but uh, so this is the Q and A session. Um, there's no there's no dumb question or silly question because if you don't know the answer, then it's a then it's a valid question. But I always start off every year and I say this, if this is a, this is, I feel like I'm cheating because I'm literally not preparing anything for this session. But that makes it incumbent upon you all to actually ask something, otherwise this will be very short. <laughs> Thank you for laughing. I appreciate that because that was, that was supposed to, that, it really wasn't, but it's true, but it's, it's kind of. <laughs> okay, so. I'm going to take that down in case I need to use, because I'm going to use my computer here, um, because I have some some seed questions, not really questions, but they are the they are the some things that I get asked about quite commonly. Hello, and so I. I had these just in case nobody actually asked anything because what commonly happens in this particular session is as soon as somebody does ask a question, it will it will then get people thinking a little bit and they will start asking questions. I think Jody's a glutton for punishment. She comes to my session almost every year. Um, so, uh, and and Deb too. Deb comes comes as well. Um, I have a few business cards. I will ask you to be gentle and not abuse it because because I get I get phone calls and emails and questions all the time. I'm happy to do that, but I'm also in audit season, so it's like right now, but I will do my best to get back with you if I possibly can or I'll let you know it's going to be a little bit. Um, because I love helping our churches. That's why I do this session. Because, and that's why I specifically do a session that's just about Q and A. I have a little, a little presentation that when one of our area presbyters asks me to come to do to do a presentation for his area, I will I will have it ready in case nobody asks any questions. Because, and I tell him, I said, here's the thing. I have a little presentation. I could listen to myself talk for an hour, but I would much rather answer your questions. Because if I answer your questions, then I'm most likely to help another church that has the same question that just didn't know how to ask it um, and I would much prefer to know that I'm actually helping a church than just listening to myself talk so that's why I love this session because these are issues that you guys are all dealing with and so if I can help answer those again I know that's going to help you guys as well as probably another church um, with those same questions so um, Okay, my pastor keeps losing his receipts. Do we, and I know we have at least one senior pastor in here, so we're going to pick on Harry for the entire session. Um, we have, my, my favorite to pick on is youth pastors. Um, 
and youth directors are not much different than youth pastors. Uh, I have found, I, you know, he's no longer our DYD, so I can, I can say, and hopefully he won't listen to this session afterwards, that there were many, many times that I asked Pastor John and Pastor Jim if I could take away Tom Groat's credit card. <laughs> they never allowed me to, but I really, 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 really wanted to. Because I felt like if I was forcing him to submit a reimbursement for everything, he would be much more diligent in, in providing those resources, those receipts. Okay, so my pastor keeps losing his receipts. Is it okay to refund him based on his word? Technically, yes. If it is less than $75. If it is less than $75, but there still must be a written substantiation. So he or she will have to actually write down uh, via email or... Uh, on an actual voucher request, whatever you use in your environment, um, to write down the same things. And since we're talking about, and the other, the other question has, has to do with accountable reimbursement policy, so let me give you the five W's of every reimbursement or company paid expense that's on a voucher. Uh, who, what, when, where, and why. Everything that, the, that your church reimburses uh, to an individual or pays directly like on a corporate credit card or to Sam's Club or Costco or Lowe's or Home Depot, you must satisfy the five W's. But if you heard those five that I just mentioned, three of those things are on every receipt that gets turned in. The where, the what, and the when. Because you're going to have the date and time, you're going to have the name of the retailer or vendor, and you're going to have prob. And this is very important. You you need to tell them for all of their meal receipts, they need the itemized receipt, not the one that has the total and the tip amount. Not just the subtotal and tip amount. And they need to have the one that came in the little folder to begin with that showed everything that was bought for lunch. Because otherwise, you don't have the what. Okay, then you need the who, as in who, if it was a lunch, Pastor Harry went to lunch with John, and, and the, the why, we discussed the men's ministry breakfast, or it was a meeting for the women's ministry de department leaders, or something like that. Okay, so there's your five W's, and, and though... I hate to say yes because I don't want to. I don't ever want to give a, anyone license to not turn in a receipt. But the IRS standard is seventy-five under seventy-five dollars as long as they there is still a written substantiation, even if it's not the original receipt. That is okay. And believe me, whenever we you know this past credit card, corporate credit card payment, two of our individuals didn't have a few of their receipts, and it it. It cringes. I cringe to say, yeah, it's okay, since it's under seventy-five, and they told us what it is, and so on and so forth. So, yes, the five W's that to be part of a to be part of an accountable reimbursement policy, the the IRS require so that there is no tax consequence to the individual. So you you write a re reimbursement back to John Doe for whatever if if there was there was no substantiation the who what when where and there may not be a who because it may not be a lunch it may just be office supplies so the who may not always apply i mean you may just be office supplies so it's not talking about you 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 went to office depot with john doe you're not talk about that but if you went to lunch with john doe then john doe has to be named as the who
Yeah, the only exception, now again, as with all things IRS, there are always exceptions. The only exception for that where they can't, where you have to have a receipt for any and all expenses are lodging. Lodging, hotels, etc. There has to, regardless of the dollar amount. So it may be the Motel 6 and it was $59 a night. There must be a Motel 6 for $59 a night receipt. If you don't, here's the, here's the kicker. So this is when I when I would, this, so this is what I got to do for Tom Grote. Sorry, Tom. Sorry, Tom. Please don't tell him to go listen to this session. Um, so what we did is we we started saying, okay, we will we will uh, whether it was a reimbursement to the individual or simply we had to pay because it was the company card that dollar amount has to be reported on the individual's 1099 or W-2 as additional taxable compensation. Now, that doesn't sound like a great punishment because if it was a $100 expense, it's going to be like, like $3, $4 in tax that they're going to have to now pay. But it, you're, you're also then, by, by doing that, you're basically giving them a $100 raise for temporary, you know, that they didn't actually earn. But that's basically, so the threat is, and the re very real threat is, we will have to report this, and if it's a substantial amount, we will have to report this as additional taxable compensation on your W-2 at the end of the year, and you will have a, a tax consequences accordingly. Yeah, Deb. Oh, that's okay. Go ahead. It's for all, just put that on all your expense reimbursements or vouchers. The, the who may be the one that doesn't always apply because, again, you're not going to take John Doe to the gas station unless you're doing a benevolence and you're buying John Doe some gas. But you want the what, the when, the why, and the where for everything. And then who if it was a meal type of thing that you're hosting something. And it could be like a whole team. So you don't have to list every person, but you can say girls ministry team because Deb's girls ministry in her church. So, right? Are you still doing that? So, so yeah, I've been, well, it's almost eight years. So I'm starting to actually know people. <laughs> um, so, you, you know, it may be that girls ministry team lunch after church on Sunday, you know, something like that. That was, you know, th that was, that's sufficient. You don't need to name the 15 people that were there at that lunch. Deb, you had a question. So one pastor takes Very good question. I apologize, listening audience, that I have not been repeating the question. So this question was, if Pastor A takes Pastor B out to lunch, what's the scenario there? Okay, first off, there must be a valid business reason. That's the why. If there is no valid business reason, it's taxable income or it shouldn't have been paid for by the church. That's, that's the standard. But if there's a valid business reason... Here, let me let me put it into a different classic example. When I was on staff at a local church in North Carolina, we had we we had staff meeting on Tuesday Tuesday mornings, and quite commonly the pastoral staff team would go to would go to lunch after that. That's an out of pocket personal expense. If the church was buying that lunch every week, that's taxable income to every recipient. So if you're seeing that recurring, you tell them, Shelby said, stop it. 
I don't know if that's recurring. I'm not saying it's recurring, but that's that's the scenario. It cannot be something that every single week, because these two individuals went out to lunch, that they had lunch. Because it's not always a valid business expense. You brown bag it that day, people. You know, you know, or or you pay for it yourself. So <clears throat> now. We were getting ready for, and we needed to have a, and again, again, the pattern of those, the recurrence of those would kind of indicate whether or not that, you know, this is a one-off, they've never, you know, it's happened maybe once or once every other month or whatever. Yeah, I'm probably, I'm going to be fine with that. That's probably not normal, but if it's weekly, I'm going to, three days a week, I'm going to have an issue. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. The the company cannot be responsible for buying lunch for the staff every day. It's that no matter who the staff is, if they were buying if they were buying that for all of the staff, even the paid staff, it's taxable compensation. Harry, I, um, like Sunday after church, if we have like a new family or guests, we take them out. Is that I mean, and like sometimes our kids will come, and I usually have separate kids the question question is pastor hosting a new family that's visiting for lunch is that a business expense or personal expense business expense absolutely hmm? yeah yeah uh, yeah it, it, I mean you I mean that's up to you that's how much can your church bear as far as the, the expense yeah yeah so if so if you know if it can cover the family great you know, if it can't then sorry so well sometimes what we will do we'll take a couple out for lunch on Sunday afternoon that we need to discuss something so we'll kick our kids away they'll they'll go they'll go elsewhere they won't they won't join us but like this past Sunday it was our third third birthday for our new church plant uh, we became general counsel that evening uh, which was awesome uh, so we had guests that came into town to be with with us at service that day, and so we took them to lunch, and it was every, a whole kit and caboodle in that scenario. But yeah, for that, you know, some churches will host like Radiant Life Church in Dublin. When we were there, they used to do pizza with the pastors. So Sunday afternoon after church, all the people that hadn't been to the and since they have been guests since the last time they had one would come. You know, that's certainly a business a valid business expense because you know they talk about the ministries of the church and, and things like that. Yeah. One more question. Um, because I am very much Tom Grudish in my receipt, I I now usually try to take a picture of it and send it to the email. That's a good thing. That's usable, right? I am complete my my I would love to show you the files that I have for all of the records for my little three year old church plant. And I can because they're all digitized in Dropbox. I don't have a single piece of paper. Yeah. Well, and or yes. Yeah, so our, our, so so this is so this is the tech tool for the for the day. Uh, Google dr Google Drive in the Android environment is superior. And I hate to say that because I'm now an iPhone. Um, but they the Android app for Google Drive actually has a scan function, so it's built in native. You can sell it. Okay, I want I want to create a scan scenario that always saves into this folder. So what I have done for all of our all of our staff that have one of our church debit cards is I've created an individual folder for each of them, and so when they scan there, and there are scan apps in the iPhone world, so you can still do it there, but you just it takes another step. Uh, so they scan their, they take a picture of their receipt, and it actually saves into a, a file that's just for them, so it's easy for me to sort. And yes, they will write on there, this was, you know, whatever the total was, $23.82 for our, our preschool class, 
$15.87 for our uh, elementary class, if it's for our children's ministries and, you know, curriculum or whatever it might be, or just the weekly supplies. You know, we have to buy, you know, animal crackers and whatever for the nursery, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, yeah, so they just write it on there, scan it, and it gets to me. Then I then I re resave that into my my paid file side of things. But, yeah, that's just fine. Ken? Uh, is is a pastor taking someone in the church to lunch, calling it a ministry meeting, sufficient? For me, I guess it's going to be a matter of of um, is that person? I mean, is that person involved in the in the ministry that they're talking about? For one, but I flip that around. I'm going to let's go positive on that side. We actually encourage our people. Uh, I don't know if you have ever heard. And I'm probably not the best at this, but I don't know if you've ever heard the, the acronym BELLS. Bless, eat, learn, SS, or LLS. And, and, and part of that is actually taking people purposefully for relational reasons to, to lunch, to eat with them. Now, we don't always want that to be a church expense, but that could be. Yeah, I was questioning about the lunch. I was yeah. questioning. Yeah, I don't think they need to give you. I mean, the, I mean, I would say like if it's youth ministry meeting, that's that's fine if that's what it is. But, but it probably would help to have a little bit more. more the more I can, the better. In my case, I don't have a clue who that person was, so I don't know what. You know, it might be better, especially even if it was what the nature of it is. Like, okay, we're ta- we're talking. We it was youth ministries meeting regarding we were changing. Um, you know, we have a new curriculum and so, or whatever, you know, just something else that gave you a little bit more detail so that if the youth pastor came back and wanted to know what was the nature of that expense, there'd be something else to go with it. And, and that doesn't all have to be in the church books. It could be a separate record that they, confidential record or something that they keep as reference to the confidential Yeah, I suppose. It's kind of like when we do meeting minutes for various things, we refer to another document that if we need to go reference. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you could do it that way. Yeah. Any other questions? Any new questions? Yeah, Different topic. Yeah. Um, when a pastor takes his family to um, the Ohio Home Ministry Network um, <coughs> conference or whatever at Kalahari, um, how would you build a case for paying, the church pays for the whole family? How do you? How, how would I build a case for the church paying for the entire family to attend minister's retreat? Um, number one, and this not to be this is not to be flippant at all, but my that's, for me, that's not a question because the my children are every bit as much a and I, how you justify it? I would just say, I, you know, again, that, the approval of that would probably go back to, you know, your board treatment of that. They, you know, our board wants to support our our right, pastor's right. family, and so all you'd have to say, just say, Pratt, you know, Pratt family uh, registration for for ministers retreat. Oh no, because ministers ministers retreat for me is is. Yeah, is the um, is enough of an umbrella for me, and um, you know, 
Yeah, yeah, slap, you know, yeah, I, you know, I don't, I don't know that you need, yeah, it fits under seminar, but, you know, it's, it's self-care, it's, you know, uh, yeah, I don't think you need to get too descriptive as to that, because it's, it is what it is. Yeah, as far as I just saying ministers retreat, you know, if again, because the board would have been, you know, that would have been an approved church expense in, as a whole. And so I don't think you need to get descriptive as to why they need to go to ministers retreat. Just that they went to ministers retreat is sufficient enough of a reason. Oh, would the IRS question the validity? No. I, at that point in time, if the if the IRS did question the validity of a business expense, then at that point in time, you know, they would they would pull out whatever um, justification the church would have, and it wouldn't necessarily have to be written or anything on the records themselves. I don't I don't think you need to worry about that too much because the chance of the the reality is the chance of the IRS ever becoming aware of that is very very slim because there's not many ways that the church could be reviewed by the IRS. That typically can only happen if there's actually an ever a payroll audit that was done to determine, and then if there was something found incorrect in the payroll world, then that might might broaden the examination a bit. But it's and for them to for them to come to the church for a payroll audit, you're most likely meaning that the minister was audited in the first place, and then there was a question there, and so they're going to start backtracking. So it's a very rare possibility of of that being an issue in my mind. Um, documentation requirements to meet IRS, especially in the area of meals, entertainment, cash prizes, gift cards. We've talked a little bit about meals, entertainment. Um, Entertainment expenses, um, those would be ones probably that the church would need to really address as to what they, they are comfortable with providing. Uh, you know, again, it's that first-time guest that you're taking to lunch, that's not going to be a question. But um, you're probably not going to do like I got invited just recently from a corporate vendor, not a, not a nonprofit vendor, but from a corporate vendor to go to Top Top Golf in in Columbus for a, a tech symposium, and I'm like, okay, um, you know, because they're wanting they're wanting to sell my get my business, but you know, I can't see me taking someone to Top Golf in Columbus and justifying that as a valid business expense. Uh, that probably would be uh, inappropriate. <laughs> Uh, gift cards are a challenge, however. Gift cards are a big challenge. Um, it depends on what your. It depends on the the purpose, I guess. The end. The end recipient of the gift card. If it. We we addressed this a while back. Uh, I won't give you the whole story in our office, but we we addressed it a while back because we were trying. We were giving gift cards a lot for people that would volunteer at the office. As soon as you give a gift card for volunteering, guess what? It's not volunteering anymore. <laughs> and so we said, you know what? If, if we're going to ask people to come in and serve us in some capacity, we're going to just pay them. And it's just, I mean, it's, that's the reality because we, we have to be legal for tax purposes. And so, so in that regard, we, the gift cards went away. Now, if you're talking, you're having uh, your October fall festival, or we call it Candy Palooza at our church, and if if a gift card is a prize that you have that you have, you know, as a as a drawing or best costume award or whatever it might be, well, that's totally different because you're you're not giving that gift card as 
as for services rendered in any way. It's just they came to your event and it was a prize. That's going to be a business expense attached to that event, but it's not going to be a, it's not going to be something other than as far as how you would substantiate the purpose, the purchase of the gift cards. You would say, you know, we bought two $50 gift cards for door prizes for our big event. You know, I don't even know that you'd have to worry about who actually received those. Although if you had that information, it might be handy. But um, you know, it's not it's not the same because it's not a uh, it's not a uh, pay compensation type of thing. Yeah. So to, to clarify that, like if we had a lady that volunteered to do um, our children's program. Yep. Church, yep. And at the end, pastor said, "Can you go get her a gift basket?" It's a hard to say thank you. Gift basket is, in my mind, is a little different scenario because though there, yeah, there was a, you know, it was twenty four ninety five. Yes, you can identify that, but that would be what would be classified as a de minimis fringe benefit. What? Something a de minimis. That's the, it, it's Latin for minimal. And and as so, let me let me pull it out of that specific specific example to give you a different example. When my dad, when I was a kid, he worked for this factory that built um, in Oklahoma that that he built. Uh, they built um, submersible as an underground, not underwater, but underground pumping equipment because oil industry. And every year they gave every employee a ham for Christmas. So they they did not put the cost of that ham on. 300 people, 500 people, I don't even know how many worked there at the time, on their W-2 at the end of the year because it was it was too much work for the payer institution to work to to try to track down how much each person got the benefit of. The, even though this is a solo individual, you could and you can kind of clearly identify that you're giving a gift in kind. You're not giving something that has exact cash value. A gift card has $25 in cash value or $50 in cash value or 100 etc. And in that environment you're basically giving cash. Whereas you you have given a gift basket, if you wanted to like my wife really happy, I go I go to Kroger and I get her the the candy bouquet that has Reese's and and Snickers and and all that kind of stuff. And Harry's talking, yeah, that's right. So um, so that that's you know that would that kind of thing you can give that kind of gift and not have to worry about it. But it's when you're giving something that has easily identifiable cash value, that's when you really it has to have a tax consequence to it in some way. Yes, sir. I didn't catch your name. This is Art. Art. Businesses used to have an out-of-pocket cash amount that they could do that fell underneath all of this recording stuff. Petty cash. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, no, because even pe does petty cash... Uh, you know, does it fall under these same requirements or not? Yeah, they really do fall under the same requirements because because when someone gets reimbursed out of that, they're being given cash, and you ha and you know exactly how much you gave them. So if they cannot substantiate that they spent fifty one dollars and thirty two cents at Lowe's, then that's taxable income to them in that scenario. But if they if they provide you the receipt for that purchase at Lowe's that you and typically in a, pa in a petty cash environment there'll be like a slip where they kind of write down the the explanation for what the purchase was, attach that to the receipt that was from the sale, and then that's the substantiation that's required to keep that from being taxable income to them. Yeah, Harry. Um, this year, or two years ago, I started using LinkedIn Mile IQ just because I was I wanted to try my mileage better and. and 
Okay, yeah. Why why was why was Harry's mileage uh, log not valuable to him for his 2018 taxes? Is that a fair assessment? Yes. It's because of the re, it's because of the ta jobs and taxes or taxes and jobs act whatever that went into effect at the beginning of this year of 2018. Uh, so you, if you have not who has not yet done their taxes for 2018, and I'm my hands up for both me and my daughter because she's hopeless too. So uh, if when you do your taxes this year, if you were not already aware, they have eliminated all personal exemptions effective January 1st of 2018, but they doubled the standard deduction. So that so that's how it impacts you most directly. But then they also eliminated they also eliminated unreimbursed business expenses as being tax deductible items at once. So beforehand, you would file form twenty one oh six, and you would say, "I had I had this many miles, and last year's mileage rate was fifty four and a half cents. So I'm going to keep it nice and easy, and I'll just say so. I had what should have been mileage of if my employer had reimbursed it, it would have been $500, but they did not reimbursement, so that is a business expense, and you could then write that off on your taxes. They've eliminated that. So that's why you want to have the accountable reimbursement plan in place so that you can submit that mileage to your employer, and the employer can then reimburse that without tax consequence. There is no tax consequence for properly substantiated. So, so I'm assuming by what you were saying is that you did not get reimbursed by the church for your mileage. So now, how how so if that's going to continue, meaning that the church is is not in a position of reimbursing your mileage, then it may be worthwhile to look at readjusting your overall compensation package so that you could have some business expense in there that you could submit those miles and get reimbursed and therefore would not be subject to taxes. So that's that's the way to work around that. So let's say if five hundred maybe is a pretty good guess or a thousand, whatever it might be, then say, okay, instead of paying me $39,000, give me $38,000, and keep 1000 aside so I can submit for, for, tax, for mileage reimbursements. And then you can, now, if you don't use it, you would lose it unless they wrote you another check and, and you had to pay taxes on whatever that dollar amount was. So that, that would be kind of a way around that scenario because unfortunately they have eliminated. Now, well, I would want to, okay, so, for those who are unfamiliar, I hope you all are, but ministers are strange animals in regards to taxes. Some would just say they're strange animals, but I, um, uh, I would question, I would, I would probably push back on your accountant because you had self-employed miles. As a minister, you are self-employed for tax purposes for Social Security and Medicare. So you should have benefited on the self-employment side for that unreimbursed mileage. You wouldn't do the Form 2106 on an IRS income tax, but on your Schedule SE for self-employment taxes, I would think you should have had a, at least some benefit from that. But I could be wrong. I would just, that's something I would get clarification on. So that's just for you guys. Okay. You, Deb, you were raising your hand. I just wanted to 
You know exactly how much it is. So because you know exactly how much it is. Now here's the kicker. That doesn't mean you're going to have to report it, but you have to record it. You have to keep track of it because it's just like if you wrote a check to somebody for $5. You know, sorry, I keep forgetting to repeat the question. If you, if you had a $5 gift card, you have to worry about the... Now, now the tracking of that is one thing, but you're talking about the taxability of that to the recipient. Is that what you're talking about? Okay. It's taxable income. That is correct. So because you know, ex you can easily clearly identify how much that you gave so-and-so for, for, a, for a gift card, it is taxable income to them. That doesn't mean you're going to have to report it, but you'll want to record that for potential because if, if they hit $595 in actual payment and you had that $5 gift card, at $600, you have to do a 1099 for that individual. And so you're gonna, so you have to start keeping track of who you gave those gift cards to. For us, that was too cumbersome, so we just said, if you're volunteering, we're writing you a check, no matter what. Well, in that case, you need to record who got the gift card. You would need to keep track of that. Now, what many software systems can do is how do you how do you keep track of who you gave gift card to? We would if. If I was using my accounting system that I have, I would actually go in and I would do a 1099 adjustment for that person for that amount. Again, that doesn't guarantee I'm going to actually report it because they may not reach that $600 threshold, but I have done my due diligence and my obligation to record it in, in case I do have to report it. Oh. Okay, so as a gift card is a gift card taxable income to an employee. An employer cannot give a gift to an employee without it being taxable income. Yep. Non is no employer can give an employee, and so this was another challenge for us because we had, and so we learned something new in this process is that we learned that if you are an, if you are a family member of an employee, you cannot do it without it being taxable income because, and because it's for tax purposes, it's you know especially a married couple, they're one and the same pretty much. So we we oh no, no that's not exactly what it was. We learned that an employee's family member cannot volunteer for the church without it being taxable income. If there's going to be, you know, unless they don't get anything, unless you're, actually not, you're absolutely not going to pay them anything, they can give their time there, yes. But if there's, oh, we're having a group of people that are coming in to help us with this big, massive mailing, and my wife comes in, which she wouldn't do that because she's probably working somewhere else, but she comes in, she, her time, she can't volunteer that time it, like everybody else could. I'm saying that wrong. It doesn't matter the situation. She can't volunteer. Yeah, even if she's not taking anything. Because, because of the relationship she has with me. Now, in the church environment, they'd be a little different because we're a corporate office environment as much or more than we are a church environment. And churches, and it would also depend on are they doing work inside. We, we run across this with our own employees of could some of our support staff volunteer to work at our events? And we actually determined that no, depending on the event, if, if it's one of like this event here, which we consider like general and a general event, a large scale event, none of our employees can volunteer to work at this event because they all benefit from it through their employment in some way, they get paid. So we have to juggle the work schedules. If they're working today, 
If they're here, if they're here working, if they're not, if they're just here attending, that's a different story. But if they're here working, they've had to take a day off earlier in the week, so we don't have to pay them for their time today. Otherwise, we'd be hitting overtime. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. That does not apply to clergy. That is correct. Clergy have an exception in regards to you know overtime hours and so and and um, and things like that. That is correct. So it does not apply to clergy at all. But I'm just talking like our support staff who are non-clergy. Because the reason for that, for the benefit of the recording, is that clergy are considered man like management level. They are exempt from overtime, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Rhonda. The question is for 403B, if you're over 50, can you do catch-up contributions? Yes. I, I don't know what 24,000 may be the cumulative amount. I don't know what the total is. But in regards to 401K or 403B contributions, there is the standard employee deferral. But then if you are 50 plus, there is a catch-up contribution provision that allows you to do another five or maybe even $6,000 more on top of the standard. So I think, that you, I think you might be right at 24 because I think the standard contribution is 18 and the catch-up is six, I think. But... Oh yeah, it's whoever has whoever has of their own 403b and has earned income from which they could fund put funds into it. Correct? Yeah, because because those are like those are individual accounts. There's not a commingling of of Harry and Rhonda's 403bs. There's Harry's and there's Rhonda's, and so they each have separate contribution limits. Yep, absolutely. Yes. Um, my question is kind of outside this, but that's okay. So what is the implication of a church having like a net profit, which is like net increase in asset on your books with the IRS? Since the church is a you know, non-profit, you're not supposed to make profit. Okay. Okay. What is the implication implication of a church as a nonprofit that has a, a net increase in in quote, profit at the end of the year. Okay, this is why most will always, I, you'll hear it because it's, it's so common, but I try never to use the word income. It's revenue. And it's, it sounds like semantics, and it is to a good degree, but you are, you know, that, that is the question. Nonprofit is not supposed to, quote, make money. But there is no, there's no, there is no prohibition for a nonprofit organization to have an increase in net assets from year to year. It's, it's what are they using f their resources for? Because you know, it's, it's wise for a nonprofit to have reserve funds in the event of a downturn in an economy. And the only way to have a reserve in resources is to have an increase in net assets from year to year. Uh, so there's not a prohibition against that. Now, if if we're talking, you know, a uh, nonprofit that's that's having a an increase of you know a few million dollars every year, yeah, there's probably something going on there that probably needs to be looked at. But um, you know, are they are they still you know paying reasonable compensation? Are they you know they're, they're not paying somebody way too much in comparison to the economy? Uh, you know. There's probably not going to be much that would that would be a problem with with them simply having more money this year than they had at the end of the year last year. 
Uh, it's just a matter of then, are they still functioning in their tax-exempt purpose? Are they spending their resources accordingly? And it just so happens they didn't spend as much as they had. There's not a, there's not a problem with that. Um, you know, it, now, the challenge, or not, it's not a challenge, but the difference would be if they had, if they had any, any revenue, well, no, I'm going to use the word income now, if they had any income that was due to unrelated business, meaning um, the common example is uh, uh, that I've seen in textbooks because text one I used to use. They have a parking garage because they're an urban church and they, le they rent out parking spaces throughout the week. That is unrelated business income. And they're going to have to file taxes. And that sounds weird because, hey, we're, we're a nonprofit. Yes, but only in regards to all of your exempt purpose functions. And so as soon as you have m monies that come in that are not related, that didn't come from an, an exempt purpose, not, a t not tithes and offerings or not missions giving, not, you know, et cetera, but it came in from this unrelated business activity, then you're gonna pay taxes on that, but just on that. You're not paying taxes on everything the church brings in, just on, just on what was the net revenue, net income, from the the operation of that particular thing. So some churches, they'll say, well, we're going to start a coffee shop and we're going to dedicate all the proceeds of that, of that coffee shop to the ministry so it is so it is not subject to taxation. It is a for-profit entity that can that can give gifts to, to a nonprofit organization and take the, and take the associated tax deduction, but you're going to still pay taxes on all the operations of that particular component of your business. Okay. Um, we just our property to get oil. So we got a check for our mineral rights. So is that something that we then need to do taxes on? Has anyone had come across that question? Do you have to pay taxes on on the passive earnings for mineral rights? I honestly, Jody, do not know the answer to that question. Okay. So I'm not gonna. I, my my wife is gonna laugh because I'm not gonna give you any winter wheat today. That's when I make something up long and act and act and act, and act like I know what I'm talking about. Uh, if you want to get the story, you can ask her what winter yeah. wheat means, and she'll she'll first she'll laugh, um, and then she'll then she'll explain to her what the, what it means. But um, my my guess is that is a passive thing. Uh, it's not it's not it's not. And one of the key things in regards to passive income is it's not debt finance. Meaning you didn't you didn't you didn't go into debt to acquire something that then you would start making money on. But you have debt. You had you had debt to be. You had mortgage on your already property. You didn't finance to get those right. mineral rights sold. My 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 recommendation for audio purposes is to talk to a tax attorney. Okay. <laughs> but my guess is that you're not going to have an issue with that. Uh, we've looked at that because we were hoping it was going to go far enough to the west that Heartland was going to benefit from from some of that. But it, it hasn't. It it stopped. It stopped short. About a county short, unfortunately. Renting out your part, so because at that point in time it's no longer a parsonage; it's a church-owned property that has that has rental income. That's now that's a that's a great that's a great example though because that's not an uncommon scenario of a church that rents out of what's no longer being used as a parsonage by the church. The scenario there is because now you're operating truly in the unrelated business income world, but you're going to have some expenses associated with that property. 
So just big, big numbers here. Let's say you bring in $10,000 a year in rent on a church property, but your property tax bill is $3,000. Well, you just reduced your income by, by three grand. So your taxes, you know, so your your taxes start at the seven thousand. Well, then we also had insurance on that property, so then that's going to come off there. You had then here's the this is because I've got a rental property that I know uh, from North Carolina that I am about to hopefully sell. Um, that you're also going to have depreciation. That's that's a that's an expense, and you may end up negating all of the income, even if it's just on paper, you may not, like your, your, your taxes, you know, your property taxes, your insurance, that's a dollar amount you're spending, but the depreciation is not really money you're spending, but it comes off of that earnings, and so you may actually negate the entire unrelated business income simply because you've got enough overall expenses, so you won't have to worry about actually paying income taxes on that. It's possible. Yeah, Art. Are the mineral rights affected by by a mortgage on the property? I don't think so. I don't know that. Again, I'm going to be honest and say I honestly don't know that, but I don't think that that changes. It's probably going to, if anything, probably how that might come into play is the mortgage holder is going to get first dibs if the pay, if the if the if the owner defaults, and so then the mineral rights start going to the mortgage company that owns that owns the mortgage. Right, only in the event of default. That, that's the only scenario I can, off the top of my head, just think of. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. She started to raise her hand a couple of times, and I keep missing no, it. Okay. Go ahead. Okay, um, with intentional referring to file taxes, 990, um, when you have unrelated business income, are you guys supposed to file taxes? So when you have the unrelated business income, there's a separate form called a Form 990-T. So, so um, churches buy... In, buy just being a church are exempt from having to file form 990 uh, for those who don't know what that is uh, that's basically it's called an information return but it's basically a tax return prepared by a nonprofit organization they just don't have to write a check at the end of the process um, and I we used to have to do that in the college environment so but churches by just being a church do not have to file that um, if then they have unrelated business income there's a form 990 T that is filed just in regards again to the unrelated business income uh, there's other forms like if you operate a Christian school or daycare that you have to file for a non-discrimination I think 8757 I think um, so there are some other documentation requirements for that you have to file it just in that event, but um, you don't have to do the full-blown 990, which is quite ex exhaustive. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, we have signed up now with two... I, I want to talk about fundraising mm -hmm. money. Yep. Okay. So we've signed up with two different uh, places to earn fundraising money. Okay. So... I, I put that in a designated, or I'm going to put it in a designated fund account. Mm -hmm. Okay, so is that considered income if I'm stating what we're raising the money for? When you say you signed up with two, can you just give me an example of, well, like of what? Well, one's going to be benefit, which is in the stores. The other is going to be script, shop with script, mm -hmm. because, and that's gift cards. Mm -hmm. So then as people 
people can use the benefit on their own, mm -hmm. and they can use the chakra script on their own, but we're also going to do a thing where they can, we can have a sign-up sheet, people want to order gift cards, and, and then I'll place the order and then send the check, and then the money that we make on that will be sent to our account. Yeah, you know, there's, so you're quite wondering whether or not there's an income you need to worry about there? Yeah, because if I, yeah. if I say that it's going for youth group or something. In, in that particular scenario, you're, you're kind of entering into an agreement with, with Scrip or the other group. It, it would be, I'm going to pull it away from those examples just to give you, just to try to make it a little simpler. Um, my daughter is on a on a, a competitive riding team, and they do a fundraiser. So Max and Irma's restaurant. Every year they go to Max and Irma's. Every year they go to Chipotle. Like you go to a restaurant and you say, hey, do fundraising. You know, have your people come to us, and this, they set up a day. Basically, what that is, that's going to end up being that entity writing you a check. And they get their charitable deduction because they've made a not they have made a charitable gift. Right. How you then allocate the resources, that's that was the church's decision to begin with. There's no issue there whatsoever. It's just they gave you cash and you're gonna report it as a cash gift back to that entity. Okay. So then how you track it is is your your decision. No problem at all. Okay. No problem at all. Because that's gonna be yeah, that's an ongoing. My my kids my kids school does script. They okay. uh, the Radiant Life in Dublin where we used to go when we were on staff. They do that quite a bit as well. So yeah, that's just their yeah. You've just they're they you're getting a piece of their profit that they're sending it to you as a, as as a you know if you go if you go to Costco and you can buy a hundred dollars worth of gift cards for sixty seven whatever dollars they're basically giving you the money they they could have made otherwise yeah. so it's it's you're you're getting that in on the back side of things that way is all that is yeah I want to make sure I heard that right. So you have another nonprofit that's coming in and using your building. Okay. Um, so if you rent your building out, is there unrelated business income? The 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 easiest way to make sure that you avoid an unrelated business scenario in that is that if you are if you are renting to a nonprofit organization, because then you are keeping the the whole facility is then still being used for exempt purposes. Uh, having it be a church would be even more ideal because you can say it's we're actually promoting our exempt purpose even by letting them use that. Um, if it's, you know, we have a very unique facility that our church meets in. It's a renovated barn that's about a hundred years old um, and we rent it out for weddings and graduation parties and I mean then you say well is that unrelated business income well number one I don't own that building we rent it in the first place so I don't so some of my my can my owning issues are kind of moot but then then you look at the measure of how much revenue did you receive from the unrelated source versus your exempt purposes and I mean it's like my, like half of a half of a percent maybe and and you would you would not be in jeopardy of hurting your exempt status until you're like close to 50 or more percent of unrelated business income so nothing nothing to worry about in that particular example okay we got about five or six minutes left see I know if you got just got a few questions everybody would start asking eventually that's how it kind of always works yeah okay so we had 
I used her credit card to pre-book his room. Like, mm-hmm. I used to send him a credit authorization. The hotel never got back with me with the actual receipt. I have emailed them, haven't heard back. How aggressive do I need to be in getting that receipt if I have the pre-authorization form as free? Yeah, I w- credit cards if you couldn't get the actual hotel receipt back from the hotel, what what can service substantiation? Yeah, if you've got an authorization from when you booked it, I'm I'm probably going to be fine with that. And sometimes even in that scenario, there may be a change because you know uh, maybe they forgot to not charge you state in sales tax, and so you get an adjustment anyways, makes it less than that. So if I've got something that shows, yeah, there was a room that was booked, confirmation. Yeah, yeah, and again, the IRS is probably never going to be too worried about tracking all that down. But having that having that data would would be good substantiation. Yeah, yeah, Harry. How can I team up with you people that have mineral rights in your grounds? <laughs> You're on the wrong side of the state, my friend. <laughs> uh, yeah, we were kind of hoping they'd go a little bit farther west, but they haven't quite done that. Okay, uh, we got about five minutes then. Uh, so if you're if you're wanting to get a head start on the next room, that's fine. But I'm glad to stay. Um, I did. It, I I had I had sent a, an email, a text out or a, a Facebook message out to uh, my Facebook group of all of our secretary treasurers in the fellowship, and I asked them what were their most common questions were, and I was hoping that one of them would have gotten back to me, and I think one of them just did. Uh, let's see if I can find that question here. Compliance and accounting. Uh, another question that, I can't, that he said that he gets that I get probably almost every week, maybe one or two, is about what software do I recommend. Um, so let me, re- uh, this, this I should have started at one o'clock if I was going to have this discussion. Uh, so really quick, there are some, you know, first, first off, let me just go in the online giving world. I was talking with Ken about that a little bit before the session. If you're not doing online giving, or if you are doing online giving, but you are not using the, the, the integrated solution with your software, meaning you have something like Church Community Builder or Breeze or Fellowship One, but you are using Easy Tithe or uh, steward, Stewardship something or other, um, or Vanco, and you're not using the one that is built into your software, I would recommend you look into that option. It may not be cheaper than what you're using now, but it might very well save you some data entry because it's going gonna, it's gonna to populate the giving records for you and save you maybe from having to doing that manually or even saving you from having to import those records. Um, <clears throat> if you uh, do not have any, if, if you're not happy with your accounting software, uh, there's a really good online software called Aplos, A-P-L-O-S, uh, that does fund accounting phenomenally. Um, if you're a QuickBooks environment, as Ken is, and he's, he's used it for a long time, he's very comfortable there, so that's great. Um, but if you're, if you're a QuickBooks environment and, and you're not as comfortable with it, Aplos is a natural transition because they will actually help migrate your data. They will, um, and their interface is much more similar to QuickBooks than other solutions that are out there. Um, if you're needing a solution that actually is for people, there are a number of those out there, um, and some of those integrate with, with Aplos. Some of those are, have built-in ones. The Realm from ACS Technologies is an integrated product. Um, 
They all have different standards. Uh, is there anybody here that really has an issue with their software that, that you're like, what would you do in this situation, Shelby? Any questions? Oh, Go ahead. No, you got, 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 just got rid of uh, I did. You got rid of? got rid of QuickBooks Online because I hated it. Okay. Even because we download and things were downloading double. And, and what did you go to? Well, we went to QuickBooks. Quick, just installed? So okay. I could put it in myself okay. as I yeah. thing. But I'm sure it's going to go to online eventually. The, the only... And, QuickBooks, uh, hear me, it can, it can run a church wonderfully well. Unfortunately, even their nonprofit version does not come out of the box ready to run a church. And Joy is doing this at the back of the room. It, is, it, it does not come built to run fund accounting. But if you are interested in the contact that can help build your chart of accounts, because it's all about the, the initial building of your chart of accounts as whether or not QuickBooks can do church fund accounting. If you are interested in a contact that can make sure your chart of accounts is ready for that, I can just email me and I can email you the contact information for um, Wisdom Over Wealth. Or you can just go to wisdomoverwealth.com, uh, a colleague of mine from Massachusetts, uh, that he will build your chart of accounts or rebuild build your chart of accounts to make sure that in the QuickBooks environment, it's called classes. Yeah. So in QuickBooks, think class. In the church world, think fund. And that's telling me that it's time for me to be quiet. Um, but Aplos does fund accounting like that right out of the box. It's phenomenal software. So, and it's a natural transition for those that, that want to go uh, from, from something else that they may not be happy with because they can walk you through that. A Aplos, A-P-L-O-S dot com. It is the Greek word for simple. If you're not interested in making a change, but you still want some great information on fund accounting, on church accounting, aplos.com, bottom of the page, look for the word academy. Also look for them on YouTube. They have a whole exhaustive library on YouTube that is free to anybody and everybody, regardless of whether you're a client. And yes, I like Aplos, in case you're wondering. Does Aplos have payroll abilities? They have an, in, an, integrated, an integrated partner that they actually will help you get set up with called Gusto. Um, I've never used Gusto. Uh, I use a company from, called Ministry Works, which is from Brotherhood Mutual. Uh, the nice thing about Aplos is the memorized transaction or, or, or the, ease, the ease of duplicating a previous transaction. So I use Ministry Works and Aplos. And so when I get the report from payroll, um, all I have to do is go back to the last entry and click duplicate, change whatever pennies got rounded, and post it. It's very simple. So you don't have to, I mean, so they do have payroll. But if you're looking for a payroll solution, I would encourage Ministry Works only because, as the name suggests, they work with ministries exclusively. And so they know how to do housing allowance right out of the box. They know how to do, you know, if, if your church provides uh, self-employment assistance to your ministers, as some churches do, they know how to help track all that. Um, but Gusto is built, is, is an integrated partner with, with Aplos. I might even think that they may be like, owned by Aplos. I'm not positive there. But, um, and I have heard of at least one of our churches that has started using them and have liked it so far. I just haven't had any personal um, you, uh, connection with their payroll vendor. 
They do, again, as I mentioned, have some integrations through uh, uh, programming interfaces uh, with uh, Breeze, uh, Breeze Church Management System, with Church Community Builder. And so when you do contributions over in your people product, it posts directly into your accounting system, which is a nice, a nice feature. And I'm sorry, I have to stop talking now and let you all go. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. God bless.